so hello and welcome back to the dentistry online podcast um i'm joined today by mozan ahmad a general dental practitioner and chair of greater manchester's local dental network um so i mean I've, I've spoken to you a few times over the last year and i just i feel like i've never asked you how you got into dentistry so i thought we'd ask, uh, start with that today so yeah what's your what's your story how did you get into dentistry thanks gabby and thanks um, for taking the time to speak to me as well it has been nice to to like speak to you and catch up on quite a few things over the last sort of nine ten months and we've always said it'll be nice to catch up in person and because that's what i suppose everyone wants to do once we sort of get through this this hopefully next three four months yeah. Um, but yeah my journey into dentistry um was um quite strange um i i wasn't a big fan of um you know sort of like um uh, the science to begin with i used to just love maths and i remember um talking to my teachers and thinking what could i do when they started talking about careers and stuff and i thought well accountancy seems like a nice thing to do lots of maths lots of figures sort <laughs> of kind of things that i like and I remember one of my teachers, I still remember him now, my history teacher telling me that he actually used to be an accountant and he gave it up to become a teacher because he just didn't like it. And he said, you're going to get bored if you do something like that. He said, he goes to me, you like talking to people, um, you know, an accountant's going to sit sort of in his office or his room and, you know, they're not really interacting with people. He said, you're going to get bored and you're going to leave that profession. So then I thought, who, do, who, who can I speak to for advice? I spoke to my, my brothers and my eldest brother had just started dental school. And um, my middle brother was um, like doing his science A-levels and he was thinking about maybe dentistry as well. Um, so I thought, okay, let's choose the sciences because I do like them for A-level and then I'll make a decision when, when, I, when, I, when it comes down to the deadline of <laughs> filling out what you do, the old UCAS forms, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and then they started to, both my brothers started saying to me, look, you don't do dentistry, you don't do dentistry because there's two dentists already in the family and that's <laughs> enough. And I thought to myself, being a little bit of a rebel when I was younger, <laughs> that um, no one tells me what to do. So I thought, right, I'm going to do dentistry and stick it through them. And so that was the start of my journey into, into dental school. That's, that's amazing. So does that mean there are now three dentists in the family? Yeah, so we've got one black sheep, which is the youngest, my sister. Uh, she's a doctor, so okay. um, we sort of let, we let her off. <laughs> she wasn't as stubborn as you. She was quite happy to do her own thing. Yeah, she, she thought she'd do her own thing. And I suppose we, we gave her a bit more leeway because she's a baby of the family and she's the only girl. So no one put any pressure on her. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that is the, a bit of a blessing when you're the youngest child. You get away with a little bit more, I think. <laughs> um, but you, you work alongside your wife now. Um, so how, I mean, that's quite a, an unusual dynamic, I think, in, in any profession. Obviously, dentistry is quite, um, you work quite knit, quite close-knit team. So how's that been, particularly over the last sort of nine to ten months? How's it been working alongside her? So thankfully, we don't work the same days at the same practice. So, <laughs> so we get a bit of a break from each other. I remember uh -huh. we did for probably about a year and a half. And actually, it, it wasn't too bad because um, I would normally have lunch with... Um, one of my brothers who also works there as well, or I'd be in meetings at lunchtime. And my, and my wife would, would have lunch sort of with the, the staff. So we, it's not like we were in each of his faces. And, you know, the people listening to this podcast, you know, work in dentistry, know that actually when you're seeing patients, you don't actually then interact with anyone other than probably your nurse. So it's quite 
you know, working, even if we're working in the same days, we didn't really see much of each other anyway. Um, but over the last 10 months, it's been quite helpful because I've been thinking about how I can support dental practices and our urgent dental centres from my role as a, the LDN chair for Greater Manchester. But I've got the chance to bounce ideas off my wife and uh, like my brothers as well, who, who I work alongside, to get an idea of how they think some of these ideas and plans might actually work practically, how dentists might feel about um, when we first started thinking about, um, you know, offering urgent dental services mm -hmm. after the sort of lockdown in March. So it's been quite nice to have someone that close to be able to bounce ideas up. Yeah, I can imagine, particularly because it's so, it's a situation that nobody's been in. To be able to talk to people and get some reassurance or somebody to say, actually, this would work better. Um, it's, it's probably quite nice. How's it been though, delivering urgent care? Because obviously you you were one of the, the first to sort of start delivering it um, when it when it came about, and it's, you're still delivering it now. Am I right? Yeah, that's right. So we we sort of I think we literally closed for maybe about four days after oh. national lockdown, and then we were in we were even pre the sort of um, possibility of lockdown happening. We were in discussions with our um, local commissioning team on how we'd want to support patients that mm -hmm. need urgent care. Um, so it took us about three, four days to make sure we got our standard operating procedure correct, safe for our patients, safe for our staff, safe for the general public as well. And um, it was very, very busy at the start. So initially in Greater Manchester, we had sort of our um, contracted out of hours and unscheduled care practices that were offering services, but only two urgent dental centres. So we would sometimes get um, 15 to 20, sometimes a couple of times we'd have 30 referrals a day that we'd try to see in our practice. So we were quite lucky that we were a large practice, but with initially at the start having to almost book an hour or even longer sometimes per patient, it was challenging to, to get through um the patients that would get referred to us on a daily basis yeah I can, has, has it become easier though as as time has gone on absolutely so yeah. I, I think in greater manchester within like a couple of weeks we had you know we were up to 10 then it went up to double to 20 urgent dental centers and then sort of by the time we were getting to, to sort of april may time um we had 90 urgent dental centers in greater manchester so that if you think there's probably i think there's 412 um nhs dental practices in GM and you know so we almost had a quarter um, of dental practices for urgent dental centers open seeing patients and it was a mixture of um, non-practices that could un unfortunately only offer non-AGP services but then we still had quite a lot of practices able to offer AGP services right from the start. No, that's interesting that's good that it's become less intense um, as has time's gone on because I can imagine it the pressure you must have felt quite a lot of pressure to deliver because obviously these patients are presenting with pain and and um, don't know what to do about it and if, if you're one of the only ones that are open then you'll you'll get you're sort of feeling the full force of the patient base i guess um, yeah and i think the, the sorry Cap, the urgent dental centers were like a really good success story that's come out of this um this pandemic and we've because we've worked with them really closely we have regular being so initially they're fortnightly now we have a monthly um uh -huh. open to um, one member from the urgent dental center to feedback and we have one later on today as well actually um but what we what we found is that we could modify certain things so we we looked 
at ways of improving how the referrals were coming in from referring practices um, and you know making sure x-rays were attached before the patient was referred and stuff like that and now we've started to because they've been so successful also starting to support our 111 services so they can actually refer directly into our online um, referral management systems for us to pick up these referrals for patients off aren't registered with a dentist as well. So do you, do you think you've actually learned quite a lot from the pandemic? Do you think there's some lessons that you've taken away that you might not have? Yeah, so the big thing is, I think we've, we've always felt that dental practices and their staff are resilient and, you know, they, they will make things work. And that, whether that's been the sort of challenges with different types of contracts previously when we had FIPA item and now obviously the UDAs. Yeah. But actually when something like this pandemic came in came about it was uh, you know phenomenal to see how resilient a lot of the dental practices were to make sure that they wanted to get services up and running as quickly as possible but yes. obviously as safe as possible as well yeah no for sure i can imagine um i mean obviously well nobody wanted to be in the position we're in now um I, I don't think i mean i for one maybe it was naive of me i didn't think we would need a third national lockdown um, at some point but I mean here we are and, and it's something that I guess we're all just having to sort of work around and work with but what with that in mind what do you think are some of the biggest challenges um, NHS dentistry faces now sort of looking ahead um, perhaps at 2021 but also you know just beyond that so this our when I was thinking about this I thought there's two parts almost to this so uh -huh. one is um, the challenges we think personally and I think the mental health of our staff and that includes patients as well but if i specifically think about our dental teams you know it is still very challenging i you mentioned like the third lockdown and you know there's there's worry and fear around seeing patients that um and i know we we run practices that are really safe and a dental practice is probably safer than the vast majority of other places uh, but there's still that fear there for for um our teams and that mental health um, stresses isn't just the the fear of you know the the covid and um contracting that and maybe passing on to family there's always obviously massive financial challenges that are going to be affecting dental teams mental health as well so there's that that we're going to have to make sure we support yeah. and i know the the bda and our health education england in the northwest have put together some online um health and well-being support for our for the whole dental team so that's really nice to see yeah but the big thing i think when you move away from teams and the personal aspects of it and you think long term and you look at NHS contracts, I think it's clear and it's been said said for the last you know, ten years, fifteen years sort of when they came in, fifteen years ago now, isn't it? The UDAs came in in twenty sixteen, that actually they're not fit for purpose. And it's been made you know, clear from um what we've picked up through the pandemic that the way that the bean counting of UDAs works isn't you know, the contract's just not fit for purpose. And we really have an opportunity here to be, get, you know, the stakeholders involved to make sure we create um, a contract that's going to be fit for our patient. So it emphasizes prevention because we know if we had been able to emphasize prevention all this time, then actually our patients would have the tools to have looked after their teeth better while we weren't able to see them as often during this pandemic than, than before that. And we have to think about then what what kind of things are we looking at? You know, there's a massive change in a shift in making sure that health services are sort of adjoined and work together, whether that digitally or 
um, just generally working together. Um, so we have to make sure that NHS dental contracts um, support practices to be involved in what's developing as the ICSs or the primary care networks, um, making sure that oral health is seen as a paramount um, part of the general health and social care of the patients in that area. Yeah. I mean, obviously, this this forty five percent target was was announced just before Christmas, um, sort of from the first of January up until the end of April. Is that right? Um, That's you, right. Yeah. yeah end of March. Sorry. End of March. Yeah, I thought I'd be getting my months yeah. confused. Um, you, you've got to sort of now, in order to sort of qualify for 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 for, for your um your payments, you need to hit these forty five percent targets. What what I mean, what do you think about this? And and what would you like to see happen um, sort of instead? Because I know we've had a discussion before uh, where, yeah. where sort of it's not the most helpful um, thing to impose on, on NHS dentistry in the current climate, but what would you like to see happen instead? So, you know, uh, we, we, had, we did speak to, about this in quite a bit of depth and we put that sort of article out as well, didn't we, on dentistry online. And, and I, I was trying to look at it from different um, viewpoints when I and I think I've mentioned in the article I work in a small practice and I work in a large practice and the large practice can make this work it's not easy and it's, it's going to be very challenging and you know we had a couple of dentists off with COVID and you know some nurses having to self-isolate but we I think we can make it work and this first sort of three weeks we've been you know doing our targets that we're aiming for but a smaller practice is for us and smaller practices generally will face a massive challenge because unfortunately they just need one member of staff to be off or a couple of members of staff to be off and that's going to impact the service that they can offer to patients mm -hmm. hugely and that's then just thinking of the team but generally um thinking of patients as well you know um, i don't think i mentioned this to you when we last spoke but since yeah. we last spoke we we um i went into work on a Monday in a small practice and we had 13 cancellations that morning. So patients just didn't want to come in. Um, and not because they were worried about, you know, catching anything in the practice or anything like that, but they said, you know, they just felt they were following what the guidance was given nationally that they should be staying at home. And we explained to them about attending for medical reasons and stuff like that, but they just didn't feel it was necessary. That's gonna, that kind of thing is going to hugely impact practices being able to hit that imposition of the 45% yeah. target. Absolutely. Do you think there needs to be better public communication? Do you think, because I, I, I think, I mean, I saw something, I saw something on Twitter where it, it, it was um, a dental professional saying that their patient had been stopped um, by the police um on the way to the practice um and they said you know i'm on the way i'm on the way to, to see the dentist and they said no no it's only for for urgent care you're allowed to go and visit yeah. dentist. obviously as we both know isn't true yeah do you think obviously there, there must it seems it seems that there's a sort of bit of a miscommunication with the public do you think there needs to be more of this so that people are aware that this is something that they can do and it is a safe environment absolutely and, and that has to be nationally and locally so locally, you know, the, the, your sort of uh, CCGs or PCNs or health and social care partnerships should be sharing on social media or, or what other mediums they have um, with um, the general public that they can attend dental appointments, uh, you know, up 
eye, eye test for their opticians. You know, they know that they should be, they can go to the pharmacy and stuff like that. So it's making sure that they're aware that they can attend any aspects of primary care. Mm-hmm. But we know, unfortunately, that, um, you know, dentistry is always seen as like the, the naughty little brother. Um, and, and, and it's sort of pushed to one side. And, you know, um, and, and I totally understand that, you know, the information about general practice and visiting hospitals and stuff like that. Yeah. is important and patients need to know about that and all the stuff about the vaccination sort of taken um the main part of the comms that goes out to the general public but we still need to make sure that the general public and everyone still knows that it's safe to attend um, for routine visits and urgent visits to their dental practice yeah no i completely agree um i think 13 cancellations is is a is a lot is that is that a pattern you're seeing or is it is it starting to are people sort of less likely to cancel now so so it's a mix so some days we'll have like lots of cancellations like that and some days it won't be so bad but actually the time taken by our um clerical staff on the desk um, to have those conversations with the patients to reassure them means that they can't do the other parts of their day-to-day job as well you know you know by the time they've got through you know dealing with patients that want to cancel they don't have the chance to then um you know start confirming appointments for the next day or the the days coming up or sending recalls now so it is challenging for for them to be able to do that plus everything else yeah it's that knock-on effect isn't it it's just as soon as there's a there's a problem one area it's just going to um, affect everything else um but what, what about the vaccines i mean i was looking at the vaccine rates um this morning um and it was saying that the north is of england's doing much better than than the south so how how is it being rolling out because obviously the great news was that the dentists qualify and that they fall under the the, the category the second category for for um, health and social care professionals so it means you guys are being prioritized and hopefully all of you should be vaccinated uh, before mid-feb so has that have you seen that? Have you, well, have you been vaccinated, for example? So I've got my, my first one this evening, actually, seven o'clock. Um, so, um, <laughs> so I'm pleased with that. Actually, yeah. um, one thing I would say is our um, um, primary care team in Greater Manchester, so that is myself, who's the LDN, LPN chair for dentistry, and then we have one for optum, one for pharmacy, and one for general practice, um, have worked with the commissioners really hard to make sure that when the vaccines are going to start to become available for healthcare professionals yeah we would share that through all of our sort of networks and stuff like that and um this last um so on sunday they started to vaccinate and they set up a hub which is um a a football stadium in manchester um blue side so i don't really talk too much about that but um basically um they, and they managed to get some large number of appointments and you could book it online and it was open to all healthcare professionals. Right. So that was really good. Yeah, the yeah. unfortunate thing was that literally, I don't think they anticipated how many healthcare professionals there are. And that's just not dentistry. So a lot of the time they think, they think there's a two surgery dental practice. That's two dentists that we need vaccinating. What they don't think is that actually it's not because there's the two dental nurses that probably work with them and maybe a, a sort of runner nurse and then the receptionist and and uh, every, everyone else that's involved in that team so actually it got booked up really really quickly um but 
I think the learning that they've taken from that and then how well it's actually been running and the feedback's been really good at how smooth the process is when you attend the appointment and then you get your jab and the follow-up's booked for you. So I think as we get more and more vaccines become available, they'll open that out again to the healthcare professionals. Oh, that's good. Um, I've got a, I've got a friend who's a, a nurse um, based in Manchester, actually, and she's part of the vaccination. She's sort of signed on to, to help out. I know she's been there this week and she said it's actually been quite nice to be there because you're getting these people coming in. Obviously, a lot of them are elderly and they're coming in sort of in elderly couples and, and they're quite they look quite hopeful. And it's quite like a nice sort of sense of spirit um, in there because it's you know quite a quite a big moment. These people coming in and getting their, their vaccines. Um, we're all just fed up now with what the state of the state of the world, I think. So um, I think in comparison to the yeah. first lockdown, um, the vaccines are that sort of bit of bit of light at the end of the tunnel, um, I think. Um, and, and, yeah. yeah, and there's, there's a great news about it. It's, it's hard to sort of sift through some of the, um, I, and, it, and it's, this isn't probably the appropriate place to go into, but like all the stuff, you know, anti-vax stuff on social media and stuff like that. Um, and, that, and, and that's people's own decisions and choices. And I think that's the nice thing at the moment that it's not something that's imposed. I know there's been lots of discussions on different forums about how Hep B jabs are imposed on us as dental care professionals and whether this fax will be eventually. But at the moment, the choice is there. And people can choose whether they want to have it or they can opt out of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, it's um it, i think looking forward it's it's i feel like it's um it's it's good things ahead hopefully um i don't want to jinx it though so i'm, I'm just going to touch with <laughs> as i say that um but i mean as a obviously i'm I'm not a dentist but so as a as a dentist um how are you feeling about the year ahead i know we've sort of covered what you think you needs to happen or you'd like to see happen but how yeah how what's, what's the your general sort of feeling at the moment um towards, towards the year so i, I i'm always um, an optimist so um, I, I, I think there's, and I always try and see the positives out of everything, even if it, it's, you know, it feels like you're falling downhill. Um, so I think, you know, uh, I mentioned earlier that I think the urgent dental centres and the hubs were, a, a, you know, a phenomenal positive that's come out of this. And I hope they carry on and they're supported appropriately by the commissioners who I know in GM and especially other areas as well value them and see the importance of them as well so yeah that's something I hope to to continue and maybe try and make you know make some changes and try and uh, make them as efficient as possible as well other positives you know like there's what I've liked to see and I'm really pleased to see is there's different parts of the profession that have been stepping up um, to support something. So you mentioned your friend who's a nurse who is doing some facts and then you know we know that quite a few dental care professionals put their names down to to support like the Nightingale um, to support um, um, you know the VAX program as well uh, so that's been really nice and it's not just dentists you know we've got dental nurses we've got dental therapists as well technicians There's, so the whole sort of skill mix of the dental teams um, being involved in that um, and so that's been really nice to see. Yeah. And, and then I suppose one last thing, which might be might be deemed a little bit controversial. And personally, <laughs> I'm not paid by by the, the chief dental officer, <laughs> but I know and everyone knows that it was very challenging mm. um, with the amount of, or the drip dripping of information that came out at the start of the pandemic. But I would have to say that probably in the last month, six weeks, 
that it's been pleasing to see that the information and the guidance has been coming out a lot quicker because mm -hmm. I know that's what dental practices need isn't it they need that support from that body plus obviously the British Dental Association mm -hmm. and their commissioning teams to support them to be able to offer the, the safe dental services to their patients yeah and you know we rely on the the officer for chief dental officer to to support us help us with our sort of standard operating procedures so it's been pleasing to see that you know whatever means they've been using so their sort of guidance letters and they've got that web link where they do their updates and then some of the um you know jason who's the deputy puts quite a lot of stuff on the social media forums so it's been nice to see that the info has been coming out quickly rather than us having to wait four or five weeks definitely definitely yes it is, it is um it's very different to how it was at the beginning and obviously we now know a lot more about the virus um and and, and practice has been back up and running um for, for wow what seven months now so I guess with that um, better communication comes alongside it. And I think, I think, you know what it is, it's just, it's quite, it was at the beginning, it was very scary and unknown. And I think it's just a case of reassurance. Um, I think that's just what everybody wanted really. Um, so it's just a case. Yeah. Good communication goes a long way, I think. And yeah, you're right. Um, now, now you. And, 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 uh, yeah, exactly. And, I, and I'm saying that was the last thing that I was going to say, but there's one thing that I think is really important to highlight is that we have started to see, the emergence of, um, and I've seen it in Greater Manchester with some of the networks that I'm linked to, uh, emergence of quite a few younger dentists, not just dentists, but dental care professionals um, that um, look like they're going to you know, lead this profession as things start to change, um, which is good to see. So whether they'll start to lead it from a, a contract reform point of view and a contract change, or just how sort of dentistry interacts with the public as well. So it's been really nice to see some of that. You know, I, I don't think I'm that old, but <laughs> I think I'm in the middle part of the middle generation. Yeah. Um, so it's nice to see some of that younger generation. I've seen it because we've had foundation dentists in our practice for the last eight years, nine years. Um, and it's nice to see some of them sort of taking on the mantle of thinking, actually, I'd like to be involved in this part because I feel it's important to sort of help to drive the, the decisions that are going to be made about my career. Yeah. as it develops over the next five to ten years so that's been a, a nice positive to see it come out of that as well yeah i can imagine it's sort of people being a little bit more proactive i guess um taking mass into their own hands and, and and sort of leading things in the right direction i feel like the pandemic has it's just sort of been a bit of a catalyst i guess for things that might have happened um anyway but but a lot further down the line um so it's, it's nice to hear that you've you've taken these things away from it because obviously it's, it hasn't been easy for anybody involved um, but I think at this point, um, it is important to, to hold on to, to things like that and remember that it has brought people together um, in ways that it, it wouldn't have otherwise. Um, so yeah, onwards and upwards, I think. And yeah, hopefully we, we see <laughs> we see positive change going forward. Um, but to, to finish off, um, moving away from dentistry um, and, and just looking at you um, as a person, <laughs> uh, what do you like to do outside of dentistry? I mean, I don't know if you've got um much time on your hands at the moment um but yeah what what, what <laughs> so is anything anybody doesn't know about you any hobbies you have yeah so uh, you know everyone always says the same stuff like, like this like traveling and spending time with their family and stuff like that um but i i think you can do that but then also you need a bit of me time as well uh so around about nine ten years ago we i made the decision that i was going to cut some of my clinical time um so i'd have it almost a day to myself but then I, once I did it, I needed to think, actually, what do I do in this day? Because it's, I wasn't used to having that sort of day to myself. Yeah. Um, 
So I, I always had a keen interest in sports and stuff like that, and, and you know, combat sports especially. So I decided to take up um, Thai boxing um, nine, nine years ago. So I'd have um, two sort of um, one-to-one training sessions a week. And then at the end of our training session, then it'd be an open spot, sort of sparring session with other people that were um, taking part in different sessions as well. So um, that's been really enjoyable and I've carried it on um, and obviously can't do it so much now with the, the pandemic. And sometimes my coach will send me some some videos that I need to do myself. But I enjoyed it so much that actually my son, who's 10 now, started taking it up and he trains with me now. So we, we train with our coach yeah. um, and then we also then train together at home as well. So we're using just some set drills and stuff like that. Yeah. With... Um, when your ego sort of steps in, I thought to myself, oh, I can do this. So so my coach said, let's see what you actually think you can do. So he put me forward for a couple of interclubs, which are basically uh, sort of amateur um, uh, tie boxing bouts. Um, and I did two, and I don't think I'll try again. <laughs> I think you should. Come on, you can do it. <laughs> so, I'm too old now because basically I'd be like, well, I'm 39 now, going to be 40 this year. and the guys that I'd be sort of about the bounce would be against like 25 year olds. And I was like, there's no chance I'm keeping up with them. Feel a bit out of your depth. <laughs> yeah. And then I think in my last fight I got, so you wear headgear and yeah. you wear some body protection. Uh-huh. Um, and obviously gum, sh- gum shields are, p- are paramount for someone in our profession. Um, and uh, I got head kicked and I thought, oh, I don't want to really want to feel that again. So then I thought <laughs> that's the last one. That'll do it. That's enough to put you off. Yeah. Leave it. That's I think leave it to the <laughs> Yeah. You can see like, you know, you see in the cartoons where like the birds start flying right. around. Yeah. It, lit- it was literally felt like that. So I thought, yeah, I think that's it now. I think yeah. I don't blame you. I mean, what, do you know what? Hats off to you for stepping up and doing it though. Because, you know, I think anybody who steps into a situation knowing they could get kicked in the head um, deserves some recognition. <laughs> So you should be pleased. Um, yeah, yeah maybe maybe fifteen years of dentistry sort of um, <laughs> done that to me. You could sort well, of take anything on once you've once you've once you've worked in dentistry for that long. Like come at me, anything now, nothing can hurt me. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I think leave, leave that up. So your son's still he's still carrying on, is he? His when well when yeah. So we, we we yeah. So now we train. He he's had one. He's had two inter clubs and he's really enjoyed it. Um, and for children, it, it, they basically they can't they can't hit the head at that age. So it's all so it's more about the technique rather than trying to sort of yeah, um, you know um, yeah hurt each other. <laughs> I think it's no, that's good, and it's so good for you. Um, these sports, I think, a lot of the time when it comes to, to combat sports, they're often not really considered. Um, and it's I think it's quite nice to see them. Um, coming in to sort of become a little bit more more commonly um, taken part in to be honest with you yeah and you know everyone's known how popular sort of boxing is especially in in this country where it's probably still like the biggest combat sport but things like you know mixed martial arts are becoming more and more popular um, as you get you know people utilizing social media to share share you know the sort of um, things that they're doing so Mm -hmm. I think and actually some of the sort of training and stuff like that you can do with very little equipment. Yes. So it's been actually really good during the pandemic yeah. um, to be able to carry on doing some of the exercises and the training because you don't you don't need much and whatever you do needs relatively cheap. Yeah, 
yeah and it makes a nice change to just going out and not you know nothing against walking at all but i mean sometimes you you just need to change it up a little bit don't you um it's, it, there's only some yeah. exercise you can do in your own house so if if you can make it a bit different um then 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 do it because yeah it's this has gone on way longer than it should have <laughs> this situation <laughs> so um yeah well thank you so much for for coming on today it's been really thank nice you, to um finally put a, well yeah face to the name and have a conversation um and yeah hopefully we can we can uh, well come and see you face to face once this is all over <laughs> yeah thanks gabby